What's going on everybody? This is Malik Prince from Team Xbox and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 89 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, July 4th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, I'm joined by Chris Johnson of SecondPlayer.net and Captain Logan of the Keelhauled Podcast to discuss xCloud servers being upgraded to Series X server blades, the localization in more regions for games around the world, specifically with Xbox, and we'll be taking a deep dive on the Pirates of the Caribbean crossover with Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to my Sea of Thieves crewmate, Charles Jones, who is living the dream of late. It is always amazing when your passions collide uh, and make something even greater and Charles is a diehard for life pirate fan he has always been into the aesthetic and the genre of pirates from from the actual historical references to the fictional versions as well we avidly play sea of thieves together and achieved pirate legend he is an integral part of our crew and then to see that uh, pirates of the caribbean a pirate's life made its way in I know he was overjoyed and ecstatic, and it has been a blast watching him go through uh, these tall tales that we've been moving through and just seeing the wonderful work that Rare has done there. Uh, So to watch a friend kind of living his dream uh, and living so vicariously through him and enjoying it as well has been an absolute blast. So cheers to Charles. Cheers to anyone else who hasn't checked out that Sea of Thieves content. We will talk about Sea of Thieves quite a bit in the back half of the show because I have brought with me this week on late notice and donating their time generously I might add two guests who are more than qualified to talk shop on Sea of Thieves Uh, first up let's welcome host of the Keelhauled podcast Captain Logan welcome my friend Luke thank you so much for having me on it's it's a great opportunity to be able to talk about Xbox instead of just Sea of Thieves for one so uh, it means the world to me to have have you uh, invite me on to to talk not only about CTs but also Xbox. So I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. The front half of the show is going to be Xbox-centric, the back half Sea of Thieves-centric. But Logan, you joined us on our uh, live stream with Mr. Badbit and myself and uh, Kyle Stevenson from the Trophy Room. We, we watched that live conference. We were exposed to the news of A Pirate's Life together. What, a, what an awesome time that was. So uh, thank you for joining me here as well. Um, the second guest that I must introduce is a longtime friend, someone I am very proud to know, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Chris Johnson, host of Player One Podcast, editor-in-chief of SecondPlayer.net. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, Luke. Thanks for having me on. This is my first time on XEP, and I, I couldn't be more excited. And also, I'll take any excuse I can get to talk Sea of Thieves on another podcast. So this is great. Thank you. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Last week on the show, we had Danny Pena, who has won awards for longstanding, long-running podcasts. But Player One Podcast, no slouch. How long have you guys been podcasting? Almost 15 years. Uh, it'll be 15 years in October. So, man, oh long man. time. A long time indeed. Goodness gracious, CJ. That's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> and of course, you have a storied history of, of work in the gaming industry as well, which uh, I can put you on the spot if you want to share anything about it. Uh, if not, we can jump right into the news. Do you want to just, just mention people? Maybe maybe some people know you from somewhere? Sure. Yeah, I used to be a magazine editor back when those were things that people read uh, at Electronic Gaming Monthly. So I was the news editor there for many years. And uh, also on the review crew, and I was the guy who masterminded the Sonic and Tails and Smash Brothers melee uh, trick that the <laughs> April Fool's joke in EGM. Mm-hmm. So if you, if anybody listening got mad at, at that point, uh, I'm sorry, but not sorry because that was uh, a fun, <laughs> a fun joke. Uh, and you're the quarterman as well, I think. Is that right? I was, I yeah. I was quarterman for a couple of years, uh, and that was. Super fun as well. I used to work at Adult Swim Games, so I've been in the gaming side of the industry as well. So it's kind of all over. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, it is a joy to have you both here. We're going to talk Xbox uh, to start off this week. And I would argue that it's been a rather quiet week in the gaming news hub world. We've had a few things pop here and there, but when you come off of such a high like that E3 window of time, uh, it's nice to catch our breath. It's nice to just get a little bit of calm. And we have some neat stories, some interesting stories uh, t- to break into here. The first, of course, is the xCloud upgrades. xCloud, of course, for all Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members, allows you to access uh, Xbox games through your mobile device and now your browser as well. Those server blades were previously running on Xbox One hardware, I believe One S hardware, and they are now running on Xbox Series S server blades. Uh, gents, this is a pretty big deal because now Xbox Ultimate members can play uh, not just on their Android devices, not just on Apple phones and tablets, but also on Windows 10 PCs via the browser and in 22 countries worldwide. All you got to do is go to xbox.com play on Microsoft Edge, Safari, Chrome, uh, and I believe a few other browsers that are not mentioned here. And you can play almost the entirety of the Xbox Game Pass library. Huge news, I would argue. Huge, absolutely huge. Have Being able to have the power of the Series X instead of the One S is uh, a huge upgrade. And it's fantastic that they're working so hard to upgrade this, uh, this service. Yeah, just the other day I jumped on just to kind of test out and see what kind of games and experience I would get. So I jumped into Minecraft Dungeons and it's noticeably different uh, given that a lot of the time that I spend on the xCloud program is when I'm on breaks at work. And mm-hmm. when you've only got about 15 minutes, you can definitely feel the difference between an Xbox One S server and an Xbox Series X server. So yeah. it's way nicer to just have that opportunity to get in a little bit faster. Um, I've been testing it since uh, the, the workaround for iPhones came about. I got an early beta invite and try to give as much feedback each session that I give. And uh, it's it, one of the options has always been, uh, do you like being able to play instantly? And that is always with the caveat, knowing that the that they're running on Xbox One S server. So this is, this is amazing. This gives 
the opportunity for people who are out and about, who want to be able to jump in and have fun, having that response time, having that load time, especially given uh, with a game that we're going to be talking about later, Sea of Thieves, speed is is integral to saving your ship sometimes. Uh, being yeah. able to come back from the Ferry of the Damned and spawn in faster is a, a negligible difference um, when you're talking like Series X and PCs, but when you're talking people that are still playing on Xbox One servers, mm-hmm. that can that can make or break whether or not you survive in that game. Uh, so it's it's amazing that they're doing this, that it's coming so quickly. I really didn't expect. I, I fully anticipated that we would be keeping uh, Series X hardware for consoles going out to uh, players, but to know that you may not have been able to get your hands on a Series X or a Series S and mm-hmm. you are an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate member, and to be able to have that power to to be able to actually enjoy it, it's kind of insane. Kind of insane. You don't have to spend $500 to get the experience for certain games on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And you touched on a few things there that, that I want to kind of piggyback on to. Uh, first and foremost, we have a chip shortage. Well, we have a component shortage, not just a chip shortage. I think it's been misunderstood that it's just about chips for these next-gen hardwares. It's down to components. And uh, any Xbox fans that may have picked up on uh, Podcast Unlocks 500th episode, congratulations to them. Uh, Phil Spencer noted specifically that they're, they're struggling to get components all around, like even things down to Ethernet ports for their Xbox uh, system devices. And they had to make it uh, what I would argue would be a initially tough choice between selling out consistently, which they have been doing for their Xbox Series S and X uh, devices versus upgrading those server blades. And I would think that long term, the ability to drop those those server blades into through, uh, I'm sorry, into rotation and let people have an upgraded uh, streaming experience is a faster better way to reach more gamers with this next-gen technology than perhaps they would have been able to do had they been just manufacturing and making those Xbox Series Xs. And to your point, uh, it can change the game in a lot of ways for people, not just in games like Sea of Thieves where you can be competitive, but if you're on a lunch break, you don't want to spend 10% of that lunch break loading or or getting prepped to play. You just want to jump right in and... uh, I don't know about you guys, pandemic wise, because I've been home so much, I've not had a chance to take advantage of xCloud in the ways that I might otherwise uh, have done so. Whereas now as the world begins to open up and get vaccinated, I'm thinking xCloud will play an even bigger uh, role in spreading, I I suppose, the gospel, if that's the right term, uh, spreading the word about the features that Xbox can bring to the public. Yeah, I hope that's the case. I mean, I think there's still some rough edges here uh, i think there's still like a latency issue that needs to get addressed somehow like i mm-hmm. think uh it definitely feels different especially playing a game that requires more twitch reflexes like sea of thieves or even halo mm-hmm. via x cloud but as they uh iron those out and they've been very quick to to address problems like i think this sort of thing is something that a lot of game pass Subscribers may think, oh, you know, I'm never going to use this, but maybe there's like you're going on vacation for a week or something and want to hop into Sea of Thieves because they're offering some kind of reward for this week only. Mm -hmm. And you might try it because it's a convenience feature, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, to have that, to be able to hop in instantly and just have it as an option 
is mm-hmm. fantastic without any setup or anything like that. You can just, uh, you know, log in. And a lot of these games now have touchscreen support as well. I'm just very pleased with how fast Microsoft has been adopting this. And I hope that pace continues. Luke. Logan, have you used the touchscreen? No, the touchscreen controls much when you're at work. I do. I, honestly, that's uh, the the main experience that I put it through because I've I've got most of my controllers that I can take with me and, and attach via a clip. But for the most part, it's uh, it's hard because I have to either manage a case with a pop socket on or, you know, some some other thing is getting in the way. And when you've only got a certain amount of time for breaks, uh, sometimes it's easier just to use the touch controls. But I, I will say that there's benefits and and uh cons to the way that they've implemented it um Mm -hmm. one of the benefits is that they've customized the controls per game so the controls that you'll see on screen for like minecraft dungeons is similar but definitely more readable for uh the type of game that you're playing so sea of thieves has buttons for like jumping and uh shooting aiming down sights things like that whereas minecraft dungeons will actually show you like your potion or like your main weapon or your Mm -hmm. arrow button uh, so it's it's cool that they're kind of customizing it, giving people an opportunity to say like, hey, if you don't if you don't quite remember what the button uh, situation the layout is for the game, the touch screens are adaptable so that you can actually change it. So it's a little more readable for what you're actually going to be using when you press that button. Uh, the caveat to that is that if you've remapped any of the keys uh, or, or buttons in the settings of the game, that can that actually comes over from the xbox itself so for example i have uh the r stick in r3 as my jump typically for sea of thieves Mm -hmm. which if i'm playing in uh on xbox game cloud that transfers over but there's not exactly an r3 button so there's there's some some problems where you have to go back in and you can actually remap your buttons uh in the settings on touch controls as well too there's there's an option to use a standard um, actual kind of layout instead of mm-hmm. the custom layout. So there's there's ways around it, but um, it's tough if you're if you're going between games that you're used to having custom uh, inputs for. So anyone that's playing with a, a Series X controller might have a little more hard or a little bit harder of a time using the touch controls if they're used to their certain layout. Uh, but Luke, I want to ask you a question. Uh, you brought up something with the Series X uh, cloud servers being um, brought in due to even given that there's a component shortage do you think that the component shortage may have impacted their need to use these uh parts of hardware that they can use for the series x if they're not able to get everything for an entire box uh, but they can at least get the pcb or or, um and the 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 guts of the the main system and be able Mm -hmm. to slip that into a server blade do you think that's maybe why they're updating it now as opposed to later I don't know if it affected the timing. And when I say I don't know, I'm 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 saying I genuinely do not know. But there's a certain logic to that that would make sense. If they're trying to onboard more players into this ecosystem and they're now making it available not just for mobile devices but for uh, PCs as well, I think that certainly played a factor. They had to make some tough decisions for sure. Uh, a lot of people are asking about, like, Uh, special editions of consoles with Halo Infinite coming out. It's the 20 year anniversary of Xbox, 20 year anniversary of Halo. You know, what are we going to do special to celebrate that? Will there be a console? And, you know, do you, do you set aside components to make special editions when you can't even get 
you know, a comfortable production line that's not selling out regularly. Uh, I don't know the answer to that one. They certainly have to make some choices there. But uh, to my way of thinking, this is the right choice to make because now they're giving people the best online experience. And because they're rolling it out to 22 countries worldwide with more on the way to so many devices and ways to access it, um, they're showcasing a future of cloud gaming that as of yet, Stadia and Luna have not been able to do. Uh, and PlayStation now is a bit behind on as well. So this is, I would argue, their best, best, the best card in their hand for accessing and growing their market base worldwide. And it's got to be, I would think, cheaper uh, to do in my mind, right, to do, to, to access India, Korea, Japan, places with great online infrastructure that maybe they've struggled to get hardware out. Uh, to me, this seems like a, a good move. So yeah, maybe it, maybe it did. You know, there's a certain logic to that that I subscribe to. Um, and moreover, kind of the other thing about, about this whole element, I love that it's available on PCs because there are certain games that I want to play in Xbox Game Pass for PC. That if you're if you're an ultimate, you get to uh, strategy games, RTS games, uh, Age of Empires four is on the way. But my laptop, not so great. It's good for podcasting and getting emails. That's pretty much what it's good for. Now I'll be able to play some of those games uh, in a way that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. That that's what's so hopeful to me, at least in my mind. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you in that instance. I I I'm in the same boat. My computer is four years old and it can still play most games at pretty decent settings. But if if I want to have like a good experience, um, I'm I'm looking forward to what the possibility of X Cloud can do because I've I've considered uh, Stadia, I've considered uh, uh, Luna, I've considered uh, GeForce Now. But genuinely, since I've already got the 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 cost built into xbox game pass i might was might as well you utilize that service as much as i can so i'm 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 honestly right there with you age of empires 4 is going to be my first foray into that set that series and uh, i'm looking forward to playing around with it through x cloud to see just what it's like without having to necessarily install a huge game onto an already full hard drive so I have a question that I want to send to CJ first on this one. We are the three of us, all three in, in very different financial situations. We've gone through different financial situations in our lives. Uh, and certainly the massive amounts of gamers worldwide uh, have a huge range of just how much expendable cash they have on hand to put into gaming at any given time, whether it's because of children, food, rents, whatever it can be. Cloud gaming to me seems to be a wonderful equalizer for a lot of people to access games at what I would argue is a more affordable rate. And I don't mean the Xbox Game Pass memes that were going around a few weeks ago, which were hilarious. Um, but I mean, really and truly, xCloud seems to be a way where if you've got a controller and an internet connection, you're good. And a lot of children have access to computers now uh, through school systems. There are a lot of people that are able to play on older hardware by way of the way this technology works. CJ, in your time in the gaming industry, you've seen the ebb and flow of finances for the industry, just how expensive consoles can get to how cheap they can get. How, how important is this X cloud feature? I think it's huge. I think anything that brings games to a wider audience is important. You know, we have free to play games that serve a lot of that space, but 
there needs to be kind of a middle ground in between free to play and paying 70, 60, $70 for a packaged product. And I think that's where game pass ultimate sits very nicely. Um, you know, the last time I bought an Xbox game this year was probably Hitman three at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've been playing on the series X probably more than certainly more than my PS five, maybe more than the switch. Um, just trying games on Game Pass. And if I didn't have a Series X and, uh, you know, had Game Pass, you know, it'd be great to be able to try all these games. Like I have been using the mobile app to try out Yakuza 7, like uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. And mm-hmm. I tried uh, going under as well, uh, first on mobile before install before deciding to install on my home console. So, I mean, I think it's a very important thing to have games accessible to all types of people. And you're right, you know, like students, yes, but I think uh, the more important part are other locales where people just don't have that $60, $70 per game to spend. And for them to get like a certain quality of game, uh, and a quality experience is is super important, and it's just widening that market, right? Yeah, certainly so. And I love the idea that it can reach more people, more people. Logan, any takes on this one as far as xCloud and equalization for, for finances and whatnot? I love it that it's an option. I, I'm always concerned because I have set up my internet plans uh both with my cell phone and and with my uh home internet that i'm unlimited um Mm -hmm. that is a a benefit that i have with xcloud and streaming streaming has become increasingly a a demand on isps uh data caps Mm -hmm. and with tons of streaming services out there to draw on that i i worry that friends that might be wanting to use uh, like voice over IP comms, like voice chat in general uh, with streaming games on xCloud, like is that going to bump up against that that cap that a lot of families deal with that don't necessarily want to have to spend the additional money to uh, have that unlimited data cap each month? Yeah. yeah. And the more point. important question, how does it work on hotel Wi-Fi? i'm going to be testing that we're going on vacation at the end of this month and that's going to be i'm taking my razor kishi with me and i will be testing that down at disney just to find out you know just to see like what can i run can i run minecraft dungeons okay can i run master chief collection can i run down below you know like what in true what truly is comfortable because at my house i'm able to run streets of rage 4 with no problem with no problem so it'll be interesting to see just what games and what types of control um twitch reflexes i'll need with that certain type of connection for sure for sure and gents tangentially related to that the idea of, of microsoft reaching out uh to more communities more gaming bases more regions is the idea and the discussion of localization something that's been uh stirring in the xbox community for years now is the idea that microsoft's localization could use improvement it could use some work and i think that's putting it politely a few years ago whereas now uh, really and truly they've done a lot of stuff with accessibility localization etc um there is an interesting online petition going around to basically reach out to executives at Microsoft to say, hey, we want improved localization. And I linked it in our notes uh, if, you, if you care to check it out. And 
the point I want to make here is that sometimes petitions can be absolutely ludicrous and silly. Like there, are, there's one going around saying, Kojima, please don't make a game for Xbox when <laughs> Kojima has been making games for Xbox and Nintendo for you know decades at this point. Silly stuff like that is not what I mean. But the idea that, you know, a, a service can be improved by better localization, people speaking different languages around the world. That seems to me to go hand in hand with Microsoft wanting to reach two billion uh, screens worldwide. I know very little about localization and the money and efforts that go into it. But to my way of thinking, that would be a very important thing in order to reach more gaming communities. Yeah, I mean, I think just looking at Sea of Thieves as an example, since that's a game we all play, they have added localizations and new languages over the past three years fairly regularly. And they just in February added Japanese to that uh, lineup. And I think, it, you know, I agree. It's definitely important, especially if their message is, you know, gaming everywhere, anywhere uh, for anyone. And not only do they need to get better on localization, but I mean, they have sort of pushed forward, the idea of translating voice chat communications as well. That's available in Sea of Thieves uh, for, as an example. And so I, th I think they have focused on some things. Maybe they haven't done official localizations for a lot of their games. And, uh, you know, a petition like this to give spotlight to that being an issue, I think is good. Um, hopefully they'll get right on it. I mean, they've got a lot of things going <laughs> right now but uh yeah i i would love to see this because the more people in the pool the better it is for both gamers and developers it's really sort of a win-win for everybody yeah logan they've been working real hard to make inroads to japan they've had struggles along the way but it seems to me and from what we're hearing based on even information from last week's episode uh we're finding that xbox is doing quite well in japan uh, comparatively so, mind you, to their previous, you know, standards. Uh, Xbox doing pretty well. Do you think localization has a lot to do with that? I do. And it's, I, I'm happy to see that xCloud is actually taking, taking advantage of some of those things that they, their weaknesses that they see and trying to work on those. It's, it's easy for them to just kind of, uh, hunker down and focus in on, on what works so far, but to see them see where, their opportunities lie and to try and actually work on those is is comforting because it means that more and more people are going to understand the reasons why we enjoy Xbox the way that we do. Uh, mm -hmm. Localization is is going to be a tough thing to crack. Um, you, you can't hire one person to uh, build a team that localizes for every language unless you really have a broad scope of people who have full fluency with a lot of different languages. Mm -hmm. And then you actually have to reach out to all of the developers that you are uh, publishing for or for, for companies coming in and saying like, hey, these are things that we want to uh, have made available for different locations. And depending on the company, they may not have the resources or time to be able to work on localization for, uh, you know, 22 plus countries for their game. And mm -hmm. if that's something that Xbox can do, at a system level feature, that would be amazing because I think that's one thing that uh, we've seen is, is that Microsoft is willing to do things at a system level, at an OS level that improves gameplay, whether it be FPS boost or smart uh, delivery, things like that, that can help improve the quality of life for gamers in general. 
I would love to see it if there is a way for them to do that at a system level for localization as well, too. How mm -hmm. accurate that would be or how impossible of a feat is yet to be seen. But I, I believe that Xbox can tackle that and have the resources backed by Microsoft to be able to handle understanding how to do that. If there is a company out there building software for the world that understands localization, I think Microsoft has got a really good foothold in that, in that uh, realm that can do it better than say like other companies that generally focus on uh, either just hardware and gaming or just gaming in general. And kind of more to that point, there is a lot of machine learning that's been happening a lot of late that why not see, why not see uh, that localization at a hardware level down the line. And then it continuously repeatedly improve itself uh, over time. It's certainly a possibility to see that happen. And, you know, when I when I kind of combine our last two topics of, of xCloud with localization, that would be a key strategy to entering into markets where getting hardware is a hyper expensive thing. I mean, thinking about uh, northern African regions like, like Egypt or, or certain South American countries where uh, due to due to import taxes, getting hardware is just massively expensive. But Internet connections, not so uh, if they can localize games to the languages that are are, are there and provide xCloud access, they've got a potential new revenue stream, gaming stream, customer base that they might never have been able to reach. I mean, they just recently launched Xbox uh, Series S and X in China. I didn't hear much about it, but I know it happened. And uh, I'm very curious to know how localization would have factored into to that as well. So potential for revenue uh, is sky high. And more to that point, less about the revenue, the more people you get playing games, the more likely you are to breed uh, potential new developers for the future from more areas around the world. And that'll bring about new games that we've never seen before. And I, that excites me in a lot of ways. CJ, you've had a lot of chance to work with developers from all over. Uh, does that sentiment carry for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see younger developers at game studios all over the place that grew up with franchises like Halo or the Mario series or Zelda and uh, take those experiences and transfer them into developing their own games like that is, is huge. And if that sort of thing is going to, you know, come to other countries, more countries, it's only a positive thing. And we're seeing more games than ever come out of, you know, not not the usual place, not just the US, the UK and Japan. We're seeing, you know, more and more South American developers, more and more Korean developers get into uh, developing games, more and more games from India coming over. And mm. the more of that that we get, I think the better. And a lot of these people grew up with great games and want to make those styles of games. Like I, I it's just, yeah, it's an overall very positive thing. I am kind of wondering how does Microsoft's approach compare with other platforms? Like, is this something that people also request for other platforms? Is, is Microsoft behind? I'm just not sure how that, uh, how that tracks. You're talking about platforms outside of Microsoft, you like Sony and Nintendo or do you, yeah, like yeah. I mean, this petition team? talking okay. the Microsoft needs to get better. It's like, okay, compared to who, like, <laughs> is there somebody are, are these other platforms doing a better job necessarily? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, nor do I, nor do I. Logan, I don't know if you have any insight, but if you do, I feel free to say so. And to listeners, same thing. Like if you know better on this one, please write in and let us know. That's a hugely important thing uh, to do there. Logan, do you have any knowledge on that at all? 
I wish I did, you know, I, and as soon as CJ brought it up, I immediately started nodding my head and thinking like, oh, yeah, you know what, that's that's actually a pretty good thing. So I wanted to jump on uh, PlayStation Store um, because they tend to be the biggest competitor for Xbox as far as like who we like to buy consoles from, mm -hmm. uh, if not both, which I would, you know, most of us generally would like to just buy both. And Absolutely. just based on looking at their store, uh, it's it definitely seems like what is going on with Xbox and PlayStation is kind of on par. Uh, I, I'm looking at their store. I can immediately scroll down and see these are the languages that are supported. These are the screen languages that are supported, both audio and, and visual. So it seems like Xbox uh, may have been a little bit behind because I remember recently um, the Xbox podcast had Major Nelson mentioning that they were looking to add uh, the voice language uh, for each language that is supported and the screen languages that are supported to their store. So this may have been a case where, you know, who, as far as I know, Sony just recently did this yesterday and I have no mm -hmm. clue, but just based on what I'm seeing, it looks like it's something that both companies are starting to become uh, on parity with as far as letting people know before you even buy the game, if your language is supported or if there's at least subtitles for the language that you speak. Yeah. And long gone are the days where Europe, North America, and Japan are where you sell video games. You know, yeah. long gone are those days. And so uh, important important things to discuss. And I, I mean, hold me accountable, dear listeners. Let's loop back to this topic later on. A couple months, let's go back and look at how the progress of localization has been uh, and how successful that xCloud upgrade has been for you guys that are listening. Because it's uh, to me, it's very interesting, but I don't xCloud often. You know, I'm, I'm at home often enough uh, for my gaming times. Uh, Logan, this this one's for you and I. I'm very curious about your, your take on this one. It was shown in this past week uh, that a, a an indie, indie developer had, was fed up. He was fed up with store policies uh, for Platform X, which um, very poorly did he, did he hide the fact that that was PlayStation. Um, he was frustrated with PlayStation's treatment towards indie developers and the way they go about kind of handling different business deals. Um, let's make clear to any listener, there is no beef with PlayStation. Business deals, deals happen all the time, and certainly Xbox is uh, not immune to these frustrations as well. But it brought about a really good conversation that I appreciated in the gaming community for just how uh, platform holders can make gaming... Uh, or getting their game onto a storefront with visibility, uh, how they can make that a priority. Uh, Logan, did you see this thread by Neon Doctrine's uh, Ian Garner? Uh, and, and did you have any kind of gut takes on just what should be going on for the treatment of indie developers by major platform holders? Yeah, I've been following this since uh, we got word about it. And, and a lot of outlets have done a good job of, of covering it better than I probably could. So I'll, I'll try to give my, my reactions as balanced as possible. Um, it's a shame that someone is coming out and feeling like they aren't getting the attention they want. Uh, you know, when you're when you're spending years on a game and it's just you and maybe a handful of other people you want that to have a big impact. Uh, even as podcasters, we feel that. Uh, mm -hmm. We want our show to have a big impact, and, and that may or may not actually happen. Uh, we'll, we'll always have an audience, just like with indies, but to, to reach the, the broad scope of, of listeners, like an IGN or a Kind of Funny or a, a Giant Bomb, uh, there, there's going to be time investment and, and resources that not every small podcaster is going to have. Um, 
So if a company were to come out and say like, hey, we can help broaden your audience for X amount of money, uh, that would be great. But at the same time, we're also competing against every other smaller podcaster that mm-hmm. is trying to do the same exact thing. Uh, the the podcasting awards are going out, but there is a $30 buy-in if you want to have your podcast considered to become uh, podcast of the year or, or best upcoming podcast. And so there's, there's requirements that have to be done. So like, I probably won't ever enter into that because I would have to compete against Mr. Badbit in the trophy room. And I'm not going to do that. Even though it's I not would, a good show. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, I, I thought about that and I was thinking it would be great if, if a, if a sea of thieves podcast could steal the trophy from the trophy room <laughs> and i'm and i'm still kind of considering it just based on purely that but that would require a lot of effort so to to kind of stay on topic um when i see this i feel so bad for the, for the indie devs out there because it is it's it is literally a, a a shark tank you know you're you're a piece of meat and there's a bunch of people out there looking to try and bite you and you have a bunch of other pieces or a bunch of, I guess it'd be the other way around, wouldn't it? It would be a bunch of sharks. All the devs are, are sharks and there's one audience member out there that's the piece of chum that are trying to go for it. I'm trying to make this metaphor work. Uh, and- You're stretching it, but we're, we're with you. We're with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I understand what this comes down to to me is marketing. I see the same thing with any kind of marketing, whether it be software on a store whether it be a product on a shelf, uh, there has to be a certain amount of money. All space is, you know, it's all about you know, location, location, location. Where you spend the money is going to determine how good your product looks to the largest range of audience. So when I hear about uh, how how much money has to go in to be able to get your game on the front page of a storefront, that is taking away from another different game. And that mm-hmm. game may have put in the same amount of money as you. And is it fair for them to have spent the same amount of money and not get the front page uh, store result for, for something? Or um, the other aspect is they talked about how you how you really don't get the attention and care that you would like to be able to get from the developer, from the publisher, the the platform, to have your game uh, get recognized, get tested, to get put up on the store, uh, having that curated approach. Uh, and I know it's one thing that a lot of companies that do this try to do. They, they hire people to be the agents or, or the advocates for uh, indies or software developers. Um, I, I've talked to lots of different uh, uh, kind of curators with Apple when it came to software development. Um, a lot of a lot of them wanted to talk about how long my my app would be on the store, uh, what kind of reach it would be, if I needed to have it localized, um, the, the commitment to updates, the commitment to staying within their guidelines. And it was nice to work with someone like that, but there were definitely times where if I wanted to get in touch with them, it was going to be tough because that one person wasn't my person. That person was, right. Uh, I was that person for them and they had 50 other clients that they needed to keep uh, together. And sometimes us being all human, that's going to slip. So when I when I look at this and I see the complaints and see that that complaints come from other indies and, and other devs as well, it's tough because, you know, everyone wants to feel special. Everyone wants their stuff to be shown in in a good spotlight and everyone wants to have that attention given to them because... They have been spending years on this. They have been pouring their heart and soul into this, and it means a lot to them. So it's it's 
it's frustrating. I don't know where the fix is. I think the fix is just that they have to try and recommit uh, from a platform perspective to broaden the scope of how many people they can have on hand to help out these devs. But there are hundreds, if not thousands of games being published every single day. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot of games. It, there's more people out there that know how to game than there are people who know how to curate. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough pill to, uh, tough pill to swallow. I was I was encouraged to see that multiple times through Twitter threads and through through different references and articles that ID at Xbox was getting a lot of praise. And I say that not because this is, is an Xbox show, but because Microsoft had that, this same type of problem and likely still does on some level, mind you. Um, but they were taking steps to work to address it. Chris Carlo was called out uh, a few times as working to improve that. And I, I know firsthand speaking to developers that have been on this show before that the idea at Xbox program is continuously evolving and getting better. Uh, and my hope is that, you know, other platforms, platform X, Y, whatever, I don't care, are able to continue updating and encouraging their policies. I take no issue with people being critical of something that is unfair. I do take issue of, of when a developer feels as though they're pushed to the brink. And that's that makes me sad, scared, worried, uh, because we talk so often about mental health in this industry. If a developer gets to the point where they're willing to go go to to length on Twitter that will likely burn bridges, uh, I don't want anyone there. And I hope they can all kind of work together. And uh, I say the major platform holders work together to find the right ways to curate, the right ways to keep their storefronts healthy and happy for the people making games. Um, so, you know, here's hoping that for, for Ian Garner, the backlash isn't too bad. I appreciate him calling out injustice where he sees it. I appreciated others pointing out that all major platform holders, Xbox included, have concerns and issues that need to be addressed as well. That's an important thing to do to hold your platform holder accountable uh, and something that I would uh, encourage everyone to do respectfully and kindly uh, for sure. Gents, let's take a moment and go to listener mail. And then afterwards, we'll get to our Sea of These deep dive, pun intended. Uh, let's get to listener mail. All righty, kiddos, we've got plenty of people writing in this week. Todd Oxtra making his uh, nearly regular uh, rotation through, as did Dano, N64 Josh, Court Lalonde, uh, and mm, Captain Logan is on here also. Interesting. Uh, I'm familiar with that, gent. Let's go to Todd Oxtra's question first. Uh, CJ, you're going to take this one away if you don't mind. After Dark Alliance fell flat and it being touted, uh, as a big Xbox Game Pass day one release, do you think they should be more choosy about which games go on Game Pass? I know that no money was lost by subscribers in order to try it, but Xbox probably should have done better or would have been better to spend elsewhere. What do you think on that one, CJ? I mean, I think the catalog of games in Game Pass needs to be broad, right? Like you need to have uh, games that appeal to a wide variety of gamers and dark alliance i think is one of those games it's probably one of those seven out of ten games right mm -hmm. where some people are going to really enjoy it and find a lot uh to like about it especially it's a, an online co-op game so having it in game pass you know widens the audience uh widens the number of people to play it mm -hmm. but also it uh I'm trying to think of a way to say this, but it's it 
to me, I don't think the fact that Microsoft touted it is necessarily bad. Like we need a broad range of games. Mm-hmm. Dark Alliance is certainly uh, fits into a certain category is going to appeal to a certain type of player. And I sort of wonder like, Todd, did you play the game yet? Did you give it a try? Or are you just basing this question off of the opinions of other people? Like, I feel like Game Pass is something that you can jump in and try a game, even if it got a 7 out of 10. And you may really enjoy it. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people enjoying Dark Alliance as well. So did so I. So it's, it's sort of a, like, I don't think it's the worst game in Game Pass. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it may be a 7 out of 10. Is that necessarily bad? I don't think so. You know, Sea of Thieves doesn't even have a 70 on Metacritic. Is it bad that it's in Game Pass? No. Is it going to appeal to everybody? No. Does it need to? I don't think so. Well, like we that need was, that broad sorry, catalog. That was kind of the point I was going to make. It reminded me a bit of Outriders, which launched to mediocre or mediocrity in terms of critics, and Dark Alliance certainly didn't do well critically, but I yeah. know a lot of people that are really into it liking it. Uh, Outriders, for their part, a lot of struggles out the gate, quite a few patches that community is now very happy with that game and the reach they had from being in that storefront is important moreover i think it is important and logan correct me if i'm wrong i think it's important for big games uh to get a spotlight dark alliance in a window a window where not a lot of big games were coming out getting a game pass front page we've got this one you can try it out is a good thing for everybody involved uh and they should i appreciate the idea of being more choosy but i think that's a great choice to drop into Game Pass. A lot of people discovered that game and found something they liked. Critically, maybe it didn't score so well. All right. But to, to CJ's point, see if these doesn't critically go well, nor did Outriders and a few others, but there's a lot of fun to be had. What do you think, uh, Logan? I think the opposite is true, too. Uh, there's a lot of games on Game Pass that I've tried that are critically reviewed highly well, uh, you know, games that people love that mm-hmm. I actually really didn't like. And the benefit of Game Pass is not bringing high quality games all the time without any exception, but giving players the opportunity to test and see if something is for them. Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons fans, this may have been an entry in a long time that they have wanted to play. And sure, could Dark, Dark Alliance have been made better? Possibly. I think every game has opportunity for growth. It may not have been the, the you know, the game that that uh, brought back that uh, Gauntlet Legends feel or that Diablo feel or Dungeons and Dragons players rejoice because it's the game that that really yeah. speaks to them. But it's a game for Dungeons and Dragons fans. They're going to mm-hmm. see the the creatures and the players and the in the art that they love. Mm-hmm. And given any other world, this would have been a game that probably would have released at 60, 70 dollars. And, you know, how bad would it be if it wasn't on Game Pass and Dungeons and Dragons fans had to buy it outright only to find out that it wasn't as good of a game as they were hoping. Uh, if anything, Game Pass is, is facilitating the opportunity for growth, uh, both from a, a player standpoint where they can try something that they're not used to playing, but also from a dev perspective to say like, hey, a lot of people played this game a lot more than you normally would have been able to see and a broader scope of gamers that don't generally play your game. And this was their feelings on it. So having that that honest feedback is a genuine plus for the dev- developers because they're getting feedback that they normally wouldn't get if their game was just a flat game that was stuck on a Walmart shelf that no one picked up because they heard from such and such outlet that it wasn't good and you shouldn't pick it up. But since it's on Game Pass, everyone says that it's not that good. 
maybe just download it and try it for yourself and see if it's worth actually trying. A good point. A very good point. Well, uh, yes, yes. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, this We had two about Halo Infinite, as you might expect. N64 Josh, who, Josh, who hosts a Halo Infinite podcast, uh, says, when is the best date for Halo Infinite to release? Does it need to worry about COD? Uh, we'll answer his question first, and then we'll get to Court Lilan's question about Halo as well. Um, does it need to worry about COD? Yes, but not in the way that you might think. It needs to worry about COD. It needs to worry about Battlefield. It needs to make sure that it's not launching in a window of time where attention is hyper-divided. And so to all signs point to that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to figure out where they can launch the game so that it doesn't uh, step on the toes of others. For the Battlefield perspective, they are trying to avoid stepping on a marketing partner because they're the official console of Battlefield 2042. Uh, that said, uh, they just need to be conscious of where they launch. You don't want a Titanfall experience where you are splitting player bases by accident uh, or anything of that nature. Uh, but Halo Infinite should be able to and will be able to stand on its own, uh, at least for some time. And then we'll see if the game delivers, whether or not it can pick up steam from wherever it goes. But it needs to be smart and conscious. That's true of any game. I don't think it's a fear of COD so much as uh, just being wise about it. Um, as far as what date, I mean, I pulled up November's calendar in front of me. I like the idea of November 11th because it, it sounds cool, but really November 17th sounds even better because then it's 117. Um, <laughs> that's just that's just my little shtick there. I don't know. Did you guys have it? Does it matter to you guys? Do you care? To me, I mean, I think we think of game releases as sort of binary things like this is the date that this comes out. This is the date that that comes out. But we're not really thinking about shooters as a whole and sort of where attention is in any period of time because now you have so many games as a service games that can literally update at any time and launch a new season or new content and take away the spotlight from some other new game so it's not only that cod is releasing uh at a particular time but also maybe Fortnite has a new season or an apex legends season just launched or whatever mm -hmm. like there's so many other like pitfalls here right mm -hmm. and so i think if halo infinite is going to succeed as a launch they just have to pick a date and kind of make sure that that opening offering that they have is good enough to compete for gamers attention at a time when there are so many games that are going to be launching new content or launching a completely new entry in the series at the same time. Like it's, it's so hard to judge. November is a very busy time. I think almost any week they pick is going to be super busy, but uh, they just have to make sure that that opening content is good, that we're, we're going to be happy with what they're going to give us. They delayed it a year. It better be. It better be. <laughs> yeah. Um, Logan, and do you, do you care about when this one goes through? I don't. I think this is so dumb. This is the the weirdest thing to worry. Like Call of Duty Warzone players don't worry about when the next Call of Duty is unless they want to actually just play it. They're not worried. Like does you don't hear the question like does Call of Duty worry about Call of Duty coming out in a time when Call of Duty is really big and they don't need to be <laughs> releasing another Call of Duty? No, they don't care about that. They're releasing Call of Duty when Call of Duty's ready. In same way with other games, you know, Battlefield isn't looking to see when Call of Duty is releasing because people are going to play Warzone and people are going to play Battlefield. Everyone has oh, I their. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know that I agree with that. Okay, all right, keep going. I'm sorry, I interrupted. 
if they want to play it, they'll play it. If they're if they if it comes at a time when they can't pick up both, then they'll they'll have to make that choice. Some of those choices are made for them if they've got a Game Pass and it comes to Game Pass. But if not, every other company or every other platform has to worry about uh, that dot dollar spent. And gamers are going to make up their their mind regardless of when the release date is. Uh, if they really really want to try it, uh, then they'll they'll try it. If they don't, then they'll wait for a sale. Uh, as to the question about when I think Call or excuse me, Halo Infinite will come out, I love the idea of it being coming out on on one one seven. I don't, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case just because it's a, it's a Sunday, which would be a really weird, unique thing for for them to be releasing on a Sunday. Uh, we know that Forza is coming out on the uh, what is it the fifth, uh, which is Friday. Honestly, I would give them a couple weeks and. Luke, we, we did you not buy the Halo Infinite Master Chief statue that releases on uh, on the end of of November? Like, I'm I'm pretty sure that's slated for around the 28th. It is slated for the 28th. I I did purchase it. I got the special edition one from Best Buy with the red laser sword, not the blue one, but the red one. Oh my! Uh, and it's gonna sit next to my Halo Infinite statue from last year and all my <laughs> Halo Infinite stuff from last year as well. Uh, I'm stoked for it. I really, I'm stoked for it. But um, really, I I'm just ready for them to release it or like, like to, for Halo. That is gonna be what Halo is gonna be. Halo. It's gonna be an event. Whatever happens. Yeah, and I yeah. and I I think I if if it's if the statue releases on the twenty eighth, I imagine that that is a fairly firm date for uh, Best Buy to understand like that's when they have to have stuff uh, released and then shipped out. I'm mm. I would not be surprised if they put this out on Black Friday. I'm going to say November twenty sixth. It's crazy, but I think that you know what's better than a console launch to release Halo Infinite Black Friday a year later. Yeah, that's a good point. Guys, I didn't realize how fa- how far we've been going time wise on this one. We re- we have been rolling on XCP. This has been a blast so far. Um, let's very quickly. Court Lalonde wants to know uh, why people, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, why people like Halo and Master Chief so much. Like, why do gamers like him so much? It, he's, it, I guess, it just hasn't clicked with him. Um, any any takes on that one quickly? Yeah, I think it's just a lineage of things, you know. Uh, Halo had the 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 fix for first person shooters, and I think that the character was silent, uh, a silent protagonist that people embodied themselves in. And then eventually, we got to get to know uh, Master Chief a little bit better, and then you you have that connection. Uh, having Cortana with you all the time was a good connection. Having that story progress throughout the years is a a good way to bring people throughout. I don't think that Halo has nearly the, the impact that it used to, uh, but I think that that's what they're trying to fix with Infinite. Um, so as someone who is looking at new gamers coming into Xbox, I would say, you know, hold your, have your reservations about a, about a character or in a franchise, you know, it may not be for you, but as they are bringing the game forward, they will always have a Halo and it might be worth going back to the Master Chief collection and jumping in and seeing like, these there's a reason why a lot of people really love these games give it a shot go try out old game is old and see if it's for you and if not don't worry about it or maybe halo infinite is the thing that actually gets you in because of the new story because of the nice graphics because of the uh updated gameplay features and stuff Hmm. cj yeah to me i don't think master chief I don't, I don't know that the story of Halo has is the thing that's kept me coming back to the franchise. I think Master Chief as a character is a good 
sort of figure for the player to project themselves into just because he's sort of a blank slate uh, most of the time. So it's not like, you know, you're becoming Nathan Drake or Lara Croft or whatever, like Master Chief is, I think is just a very easy sort of puppet for the player to become. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, I think the gameplay in Halo, especially the original Halo proved that you could do an interesting first person shooter on a console at a time when first person shooters on console were mostly ports or Goldeneye. So like, I, I think it became, uh, beloved at that time just because it was a popular genre that was finally on console and doing it right and it felt good the gameplay felt good and master chief as a character is just easy for players to kind of get into that role right mm-hmm. a good point a good point and uh i'll from for my thoughts on this I, i've talked about halo before guys i, I did a roundtable halo infinite roundtable with season gaming this past week which was and this is cool uh, 343 watched it, which was kind of neat. Some people at 343 checked it out, which was cool. Um, you guys can go there to find a lot of my Halo thoughts as well. Um, I'll extend apologies to Dano and Logan to you. We'll get to your questions next week. I'm going to sit on these for next week, if you don't mind. Uh, because, gents, I want to spend the closing minutes of our show chatting about Sea of Thieves. That's why you both are here. We are all three... Uh, we are all three players of Sea of Thieves. We are not all three on the same level, uh, for sure. I, I look up to both of you in terms of uh, Sea of Thieves. Reminder that that Logan hosts the Kill Hall podcast, and CJ, you've got thousands of hours in the world of Sea of Thieves. They just launched a Pirate's Life. They just launched season three of their Plunder Pass, which has been, uh, I would argue, a welcome addition that the way they're handling seasons now of content. What a time to be a Sea of Thieves player. I mean, they just hit 20 million. Is that correct? A little bit higher than that now. Uh, I think we're up to 22. 22 million. Goodness. What a time, right? Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. This update has really brought a lot of people to Sea of Thieves and is is showing that Sea of Thieves has had good bones and has just had that needed that big, big IP to draw people in. Uh, if, if anyone is a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to have some fun experiences, especially if you're a fan of the rides. And to see that as uh, melded together so perfectly with Sea of Thieves lore and, and give players an opportunity to jump into something that is easy to digest and give players uh, a, a real experience of what sea of thieves is as a whole i think the pirates light life update has just nailed it they've absolutely done a stellar job um the the caveat to that as always is that there's always going to be bugs uh when updates come with rare as much as i love them uh there there's every always something that always comes in that always makes it just a little a little wonky uh due to the nature of the game and how you know how many games are actually done on the seas where you're sailing a ship uh it's a very hard thing to fix it's a very hard thing to to craft uh but man jack sparrow davy jones having these characters uh tia Dama, you know so many of them come into the game and just to have that it's something that i've been wanting since the game came out you know when you first jump into sea of thieves the first thing you want to do is go out put a put black sails on your ship and put a black hull on your ship and sail around and kind of role play is is jack sparrow and drinking rum and getting drunk and shooting yourselves off uh in a, in a cannon and stuff and just having wacky fun adventures uh as you would as a pirate and that that is what sea of thieves is, has been uh striving to do for years now and i think having 
I, I said it on my podcast a bit ago. I think that uh, Sea of Thieves has always been a, a very good game. Um, it's it's hard for me to say that it's a AAA game when compared to games like God of War or, or Ratchet and Clank, which are single player experiences. Uh, but you're looking at Pirates of the Caribbean, which I think is a, a double A uh, IP at this point based on the the general consensus of the movies. Uh, the movies haven't been as good as they have when they first came out. But you take these two pairings and you put them together and it's like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, they just they they they're so perfectly uh, combined to make a really nice sandwich. And it's just been it's been an absolute blast. I've been playing every day uh, for the last couple of weeks just to to kind of keep myself immersed in it and to continue to try and like dig out the secrets because there's a lot of Sea of Thieves lore that I that I get into uh, that I've been trying to pull out of this. Um, but the five tall tales have been amazing, but I'll, I'll give CJ a chance to to talk. Cause I talk all the time about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's an amazing, uh, joint venture and getting this, the pirates of the Caribbean IP into sea of thieves. I think I never would have guessed that they would actually do it. Uh, but they've done it in a way that it makes sense with the Sea of Thieves world as well as the Pirates of the Caribbean world. And so I think a lot of people who are just Disney fans or fans of the franchise, uh, the film franchise, are jumping in and experiencing Sea of Thieves as a game. And hopefully they're enjoying it enough to stick around uh, in in the shared world by itself. You know, hopefully they find the gameplay interesting enough um yeah i think a lot so many of the things that the game that this 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 expansion brings just is amazing for players like the idea that sea of thieves a game which by the way doesn't even have a 70 on metacritic can get like a disney license thing and that microsoft is supporting it this well like i didn't think it was going to be possible and it's just great to see great to see so many new players on the seas it's been the number one game on steam for the last two weeks i think since season three launched and so many of the things that are have been introduced with the pirate's life expansion like the phantoms and the sirens and the uh, ocean crawlers you know being in the shared world itself like has just expanded the game whether you want to play the pirates of the caribbean content or not so i think it's just been a positive addition completely well that's the thing like for anybody that is a casualty of these player or you're debating getting into it or you've tried it before and uh you found out very quickly that it was not the sea of friends and that people came and ruined your experience uh as pirates are wont to do i might remind you um Mm -hmm. there's a lot in this update for players to try out that is PVE based. A lot of people have said since Sea of Thieves started, they wanted PVE servers. And there's a lot of healthy debate between why that does and doesn't work, right? And we, I don't want to go down that road. But I will say, A Pirate's Life, this, this Pirates of the Caribbean crossover, tons of voice acting. The majority of the experiences are PVE based. They had some problems early on with, with some placements of things uh, that they hot fixed. They're continuing to fix to clean up the experience so that if you want to jump in there and just have your Pirates of the Caribbean Sea of Thieves crossover, you can do that. And the way they've handled the lore is wonderful as well. Um, we won't spoil a thing for you, but if you've seen the trailers, you know you're going to be interacting with Davy Jones, with Jack Sparrow. You know you'll see the Flying Dutchman and the Pearl and things of that nature, and you'll get to see 
how they've incorporated it comfortably into the Sea of Thieves world uh, in such a way that I think opens the door to further crossovers. Uh, people have talked about Peter Pan or Mon- Monkey Island, which has some references in this latest drop as well. There's some neat uh, ideas here. And to the to players that just don't have any interest in Pirates of the Caribbean, their world has been augmented as well with new enemy types and event types coming along the way also. It is, to me, very compelling, gentlemen, when I think back to perhaps two years ago when they said they had multiple teams working on content and they were rotating through. So team one would be working uh, and then their content would release, but team two had also been working and their content would come after team three and then they would kind of cycle. Um, It seems to me that they're in full cadence now and the quality of the game is just tenfold better from where it would before. I mean, the, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, A Pirate's Life, the world is beyond gorgeous. And everyone says that about Sea of Thieves, but this is different. This is this is more glowy, I would say. <laughs> yeah, they've added a lot. Like in all the locales that you go into uh, on separate servers where you're sort of with your own crew, they look great. Like the towns look amazing. My My beef with some of the stuff is that there isn't enough to interact with. Like I go into these locales and it feels like the world should be as rich and full of things to do as the regular sea of thieves world. And in some instances, I don't think that's true, but Mm -hmm. this is just a fantastic step in that direction. And I can't wait to see like what sorts of other things we're going to get in the future, whether it's based on IP or not. Mm -hmm. I liked the linearity of some of the tall tales. In fact, my biggest difficulty with the, the older Tall Tales, the first 10 that were put into the game, was just how many variables were at play that could interrupt, break, or or take me away from puzzle solving. Um, and they were too complex for me and for what the experience I wanted, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I liked the linearity of this, and I think it's more digestible for new fans. Um, but to your point, their doors are open for more complex things uh, by way of this update. At least that, that's, that was my way of thinking. Yeah, I would I would agree. The the mechanics that they've introduced in this update uh, afford us the opportunity to go to places without having to necessarily continuously expand adventure mode. Um, we a lot of fans of the game from day one have been asking for different biomes. Uh, we've been asking for like Merfolk and for the Sea of the Damned, uh, all things that that you know would make sense if you had the opportunity to go to different places in the Sea of Thieves. We've always wondered, you know what would Sea of Thieves 2 look like? And to, to Rare's credit, they've committed to not leaving behind an entire generation of gamers because not everyone can upgrade, not everyone can have advantage of you know faster hardware, whether it be PC or Series X. And to, to bring in different ways to circumnavigate the troubling waters of, of what do you do when you have a shared world adventure game that is continuously adding content and taking resources and demands of hardware that at at compared to now is really out of date. Like the the Xbox One, the base system is still supported by Sea of Thieves and you can still play it and you're not going to get the best experience, but you can still experience it. Mm-hmm. And to have something like a portal system built into the game affords them the opportunity to build out content that is uh, going to be curated, that is is going to be different. And uh, thanks to the Azure system, can still bring people from those servers back to other servers. So 
for example, the Pirates of the Caribbean content is great because you do get that curated linear experience with a lot of the tall tales where you're going to be going down a path and it's going to tell you a story along the way. In the future, we may see a Sea of Thieves that is way different than the Sea of Thieves that we're currently playing. And that is completely because we are able to travel to different worlds, travel to different lands, and actually be able to take advantage of them hopping from server to server and experience different worlds. Uh, that, that right now is just about the Caribbean style of piracy. And there are so many other biomes that they could dive into and play around with. And having that functionality is, is so exciting from a fan perspective that we may not even see the payout of for another three years. But knowing that they're working on that functionality is, is something that goes above and beyond when you think about the health of the game as a surface and what the possibility is. Right now, a lot of fans of uh, the game are asking, this was great. How is the cadence going to be from here? How are they going to be able to top Pirates of the Caribbean in Sea of Thieves? And just based on the content that we got, I can definitely say that a lot of the content in Pirates of the, uh, or, or Pirates, Pirates Life update are definitely very seated in uh, Sea of Thieves lore. So, okay. and, and they're actually queuing up things that I think are going to make the next year of content even more exciting. So I'm really curious to see where they go but I don't think they have any shortage of ideas at this point. We, we won't spoil anything, but CJ, you and I are, I think, right around. We've done, I've done four of the Tall Tales. You said you've done three of them. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And Logan, have you finished all five? Multiple times. Multiple times. Okay. <laughs> One would expect there. Um, <laughs> it, or at least in where I am in the process. And again, I will not spoil a thing for anybody. It does seem to me that they've they've laid a foundation where, this is not going to limit their ability to tell stories in other ways with other in, in other places. In fact, it opens up storytelling opportunities for the future. And um, I, I do the thing as a gamer that all developers probably can't stand. OK, what's next? Right. Like you just work for months and months in this thing. But with what they've done here, I see a future where, you know, I'm I, I'm on the seas and the Flying Dutchman pops out and then Captain Hook's ship is there or, or some other variation of that and whether that comes to fruition or not i think they've set up a way to not future proof but to prepare the sea of thieves to evolve and for precedent i point anybody to that year one of sea of thieves to now the mechanics are the same but the world is far, far different. There's so much more to do, so much more to experience. Uh, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think where we go after a pirate's life. Yeah, it hardly seems like the same game that we had in year one, right? Like <laughs> in year one, we were, you know, at the beginning of the launch, we didn't have megalodons. We didn't have rowboats. We didn't have uh, AI ships uh, going around spawn. uh what what is it skull fort spawned only mm -hmm. once every three hours like there was a a definite progression here in how the game has formed and it's really just gotten better year after year and i think a lot of people who have maybe uh decided to hold off on playing because the early reviews talked about how there was nothing to do in the game come back to the Sea of Thieves because <laughs> there's so much to do. Like you can't turn around without there being something new to do in this shared world, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's you want to do tall tales, whether it's you just want to 
sail out to different islands and explore or do, you know, the pirate's life stuff or uh, hunt down skeleton ships or other players or talk to people. Like there's just so many things to do in this game. And it's, uh, you know, I can't wait to see where they take things next. I think a pirate's life, as you say, like totally proves that there's so much more that they can do the portals like uh where are we going to go next like i can't wait to see what happens uh with with all of this yeah agreed agreed and really and truly when i think about cfds now oftentimes i hear casual players they're shy and scared about getting into a world that can be quite literally cutthroat right it's full of pirates and reapers and that's encouraged in a lot of ways by the game um and i'm fine with that to be very clear i'm fine with that but I think a pirate's life onboards a lot of PVE content that'll let yeah. you experience and learn the world uh, in a way that might be a bit safer. So if you're you're with young kids or you're with players that aren't overly familiar with gaming or the PVP is not their thing, you've got enough here in pirate's life to experience the world of Sea of Thieves and perhaps open your doors uh, in other ways. Logan, what do you think? Am I am I overselling that? No, I I think you're spot on. Uh, there's there's so much potential for this game, and the devs are are very creative when it comes to uh, wanting to develop the game in in different ways. So, I I'm excited, just like many other fans. Um, I I think there's a, a small contingency of folks that are are still hoping that some attention gets brought to the game from a quality of life perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. There's even some accessibility things that I think I'd like to see come to the game. Um, as far as is like where the game could go. I am very curious to know how this partnership with Disney is going to persist is, is uh, are we going to continue to see different properties come in from Disney or is rare content with just the pirates of the Caribbean aspect of this? And if that's the case, uh, will we see future tall tales that bring uh, characters in, in interweave them from Sea Thieves lore to Pirates of the Caribbean lore, and even how does that translate uh, going out of Sea of Thieves back into the movies? If Pirates of the Caribbean has another installment in the franchise, uh, will we see the changes or the the uh, continuity from Sea of Thieves and that story brought forward to the Disney thing? And how does that translate for people that have never played the game? Uh, subsequently, will we actually get a Disney Plus Sea of Thieves Disney Plus show? Oh my God. That actually has like Jack Sparrow and Sea of Thieves characters in it. So, <laughs> so your answer, I want CJ to answer this, but with the, Charles, Charles, who I had mentioned at the beginning of the show, wrote in asking about the next major additions to Sea of Thieves and whether or not Pirates Life will, will have an impact there. Can you imagine, CJ, a, a, a seeing the Gold Hoarder in a Pirates of the Caribbean productions show or movie otherwise, seeing the Gold Hoarder there? Oh, my gosh. It'd be fantastic. Ooh. Absolutely fantastic. But what about like having uh, ship liver, like premium ship liveries from Marvel properties or <laughs> other Disney IP? Like, I'd, I'd totally be down with that. Like if they did a, a Peter Pan ship livery that has like tinkerbell as the figurehead or mm-hmm. something like that i mean the possibilities are are endless to me like i want to see everything and see <laughs> just like just just add it all in i love liveries that cross over like i want i want forza crossover liveries i want i want inspired outfits by halo like like pirate outfits yeah. mind you but inspired by halo i want those crossovers in all my games i want in forza i want to see 
us riding around on, on uh, in cars, but then we're, we're weaving in and out of ships and, and see if these elements and stuff like I love those crossover ideas. Um, but for, for the next, next major addition to see if these Peter Pan is the one that I think would make the most sense. Am I being crazy? I, I don't know. No, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think Peter Pan has an opportunity. Uh, it's something that I talked about my community with. Um, and, and they had the idea that it would be nice if, uh, pirate, or if, if, they could get Peter Pan to come to Sea of Thieves the way that Pirates of the Caribbean came to Sea of Thieves. The, the beauty of Sea of Thieves is that it is its own little world where there is the Devil's Shroud that actually enshrouds this area down in the Caribbean, or Caribbean uh, where you have to navigate the actual shroud because otherwise it will destroy a ship. And if you can make your way in, then it's great because you actually have the the whole Sea of Thieves to yourself with the pirates that are just in it. So if we did get, um, if we did actually get the uh, Peter Pan update to come in to Sea of Thieves, I I would love to have you know like Captain Hook's ship actually fly in and then land in the water and have us uh, broach the topic of piracy with Captain Hook and only to have like his arch nemesis follow him from peter pan's world and, and have that crocodile with a clock uh in mm -hmm. his hook in his hand kind of swimming throughout the waters and that's where you have to try and like help captain hook try and get his hand back uh and get rid of the croc or something silly like that it would be crocodiles in the sea of these <laughs> it'd be that'd ridiculous be <laughs> i want it i want it so bad oh that'd be so cool that'd be so cool oh my gosh see like now i'm getting excited i'm just this world is so ripe for storytelling and it's such a unique method of storytelling, you know? Yeah. And the way uh. that they've built the game where every addition that they have added builds new mechanics, new ways to tell a story, new ways to interact with the world, new ways to interact with other players. Like it's just stacked on stacked on. It's just, it has come so far and so many different variables in the world now just mm -hmm. astounding and i really hope and i i mean I, since they're partnering with disney on this i think they're gonna be continuing for many years down the line like i just i i can't wait to see where they go and peter hopefully peter pan is in that plan i have to imagine like we're not the only ones that are thinking about that the rare devs have to have also that has to have crossed their mind right 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 and, and i mean Look, at this point, we've seen the Kraken's full body. Like we're learning about the the lore that's going on. They're telling more stories. They're they're there's a story that exists in Sea of Thieves. It's there if you want it. It's not there if you don't want it. You know, like you don't have to go and experience that. And you can get a unique experience every time. Um, I just wish that freaking Flameheart head would go away. I don't I'm <laughs> so tired of that stupid head in the sky. Uh give me them skull forts all day, though. I love them. I love them. Uh, gents, we need to start wrapping. You all are both incredible content creators in your own right, but we're ending on a Sea of Thieves note. Is there anything to the Sea of Thieves community or the lapsed Sea of Thieves community that you want to say before we do our closeouts? Um, yeah, I would say that Sea of Thieves is still an, an amazing game. Um, just like with any community, you're going to run into toxicity. So if you if you're out there and you're getting sunk, don't take it too hard. Uh, you know, just just chalk it up to just losing another multiplayer match in in Call of Duty or Halo. You know, it's it's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, it's more about the story that you got, whether it was good or bad. 
and try and find someone to jump in with. Um, the Maiden Voyage is the tutorial for the game. I would highly recommend you jump into that if you're even if you're a lapsed gamer, just to get an idea of of uh, you know getting getting your sea legs back and getting comfortable with the controls and whatnot. Uh, and then find someone to jump into the game with. Um, it's so much better to have someone to talk with when you're when you're playing Sea of Thieves. It's one of the benefits of the game is having that shared world with friends, not only enemies. And it just makes things a little bit easier. You don't always have to have your head on a swivel if you've got someone watching your back. Awesome. CJ, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with what Logan said. Like, don't be too concerned about losing loot. If you're jumping in for the tall tales or the pirate's life stuff, that those all have checkpoints. So if you do run into a crew that kills you, you can switch servers and start again on another one. Like, don't let that discourage you. I, this is a shared world, and that's both a good thing and a bad thing. And don't be afraid to lose a fight. Uh, don't run. Don't carry too much uh, gold on your ship <laughs> unless mm-hmm. you're ready to lose it at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I agree with everything that Logan said. And it's a great time to jump in, especially now with so many other new players on the seas. Uh, let's see to any lapster or new players. I will say also they've done a good job with their plunder pass with, which can be, you can purchase, but then there's also a free one that you get just if you are playing and it has a wonderful amount of rewards that make you feel like you are progressing. Even if you're just playing the game, however you want to play, whether you're enjoying fishing, whether you're sailing around accomplishing missions for the order of souls or, or anybody else, there's a really nice reward system that's been built into the game now. So you never feel like you've wasted your time which I think was a criticism in year one, which now in whatever year this is, goodness gracious, you're like four, three, three, four. Um, very rewarding there. So I, I, I cannot recommend enough. There's a reason 22 million are, are checking out Sea of Thieves, and that's that's what's up. Um, let's go to Mr. Captain Logan first. Mr. Logan, would you please be so kind as to let people know where they can find your content, the kind of content you do, uh, and what you got coming up? Yeah, uh, I've got a two-part episode coming up uh, for Keelhauled Podcast. You can search for Keelhauled uh, on any of your podcatchers or over on YouTube. Um, if you want to get more information about Sea of Thieves, if you want to have someone dive into the update as well as the lore, uh, and I also have community episodes at the end of the month where I reach out to my patrons who uh, kind of come on to give me their feelings on the game because uh, i'm i'm going to be the shill regardless i will always end up being the shill with some slight criticisms but they they come with the honest uh, review of the game so if you want to hear their thoughts on it uh, that's a great way to tell whether or not the game is being loved by a lot of people um but yeah head over to your podcatcher search for keelhauled uh if you want to get a hold of me you can always hit me up on twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n and then i've got socials in uh, all of my my Twitter stuff for uh, where else you can find me and stuff. But thank you, Luke. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk about this. I've been wanting to talk about Xbox news for a while, and this is probably one of the best shows to do it on. Ah, cheers, man. It means the world. It means the world. Thank you. I thank you for coming on. Uh, CJ, how about you, my friend? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as SuperPack. That's S-U-P-E-R-P-A-C. And I host the Player One podcast every week with my buddies, Phil and Greg. And you can find that at playeronepodcast.com or at P1 Podcast on Twitter. I also have a Twitter account supporting independent video game podcasts, the Second Player Net on Twitter. And 
yeah i think that's all of the things but yeah i agree thank you very much luke for having me on this was a blast and xcp is awesome so uh love the opportunity to be on the show and talk xbox with you Gentlemen, it was a pleasure and an honor. And uh, to the listeners, know that these gentlemen accommodated my very late notice. Uh, it just it it sparked in my mind. I was like, I'm loving the pirate's life. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it with the right people. Uh, and so they came on at short notice, and uh, I could not be more grateful. This was a, a fantastic episode, gentlemen. Uh, cheers to both of you. Uh, and to listeners, have a wonderful rest of your week. Should you have celebrated the holiday of the 4th of July, uh, I hope it went safely for you. That's it for us. Take care.